Okay, we've had to restart a couple times, and right now, my mom, who I lovingly call Carol Barrel, is upset that I get to hit the stop button, and she does not. She doesn't get that kind of authority around here. So she's, the goal is, we're going no edits, Carol, because I don't, I'm, t I'm limited on time, so. I don't know how I feel about no edits. I'm going to need you to know what you're saying and to mean it, is what I'm saying, so. Understood, understood. <laughs> Um, so we're going to sit today and talk about, just because we're so close to Mother's Day, this will release the day after Mother's Day. I thought, who better to have on here than my own mom, Carol Elizabeth, who, my namesake, I'm Callie Elizabeth, and then Henley Elizabeth. Do you know that I remember the day that you talked to me about using the middle name Elizabeth for my daughter? I think I was in elementary school. I think I was like fourth or fifth grade. No way. Yep, it's true. Fourth or fifth grade. And and I was sitting in the car and my seat was behind your seat, the seat that I always sat in when I had to sit in the back. And I was telling you that I had decided I was going to name my first daughter Caroline because I wanted her to be named after you. Because I just, y'all, I love my mom. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> From like day one, some of my core memories are losing my mind when she would leave me places. Oh. Like, which as a mom now, I feel really bad about. <laughs> because it's the worst feeling in it the world. Is. When like you look back and I vividly remember you leaving to go out of town and you left me with your friend Julie Bob. Yes. And I stood at the door, the glass door, and just cried as you pulled out of the driveway. In your little blonde bowl cut haircut. Wow, that was on you. I'm still working on forgiving you. But it, but even with a bowl cut, I still want to name my first daughter after you. And you said, well, my middle name's Elizabeth and your middle name is Elizabeth. So why don't you make your daughter's middle name Elizabeth? And here we have little Henny Elizabeth now. Well, I remember when you told me that you were going to name her Elizabeth, I was a little bit shocked. And I just remember saying, are you really? And this is what you said. I don't know if you remember it or recall this at all, but you said, did I have a choice? <laughs> I felt committed to it. I thought we had to. We passed it down for generations. That's I didn't true. know that there was an option on this one. I will say with all three kids, I wanted to pick the first name that we just like. They usually don't have a ton of meaning. I get a little embarrassed when someone's like, what's the meaning of that name? I'm like, I don't know. I just like how it sounds. And it started with an H. Um, but the middle names, I always want to mean something. So like Hagen's middle name is Ryan. And I always tell him, you're named after the best guy that I know. Aww. And then Holtz, our newest little addition, his middle name is Rogers, which is Ryan's dad who we surprised him in the hospital with that. We wouldn't tell anyone what his middle name was going to be. And then he was in the hospital and it was written on the board and he walked in and we uh, said, Hey, we want you to meet uh, Holton Rogers Holland. And he didn't believe us. He thought we had. How special. It was really sweet. It was really How sweet, special. but I love the middle names. I love talking about the middle names, but um, we're going to talk about just a handful of things, but, the claim to fame mothering story that I think we have to start with Carol Barrel is so there's three of us. It's me and I have two older brothers, my middle brother, Casey, he came into this world, um, fast and old Carol over here did not have him in a hospital. She actually had him in her bed at home by herself. It wasn't a choice. It wasn't like I'm going to do a home birth with a doula. No, 
Carol was rolling solo. So I, you have to tell this story. It's one of my favorite stories to tell about you because it, it makes you just seem like just incredibly strong. I was about to say a word we're not allowed to say on here that I should not say, but um, it's just, you just are like big time, Carol. So tell the story, Casey. It was, let's say July, July summertime. End of July, hot, uh, fat ankles, <laughs> fat fingers, fat there everything. Nothing worse than being pregnant in the summer. I agree. I, was Hagen terrible. was born at the end of August and I just was miserable all summer. It's terrible. Ugh. It really is. But, um, so I had been having contractions off and on all day, nothing big. Uh, and I had decided based on the first birth that I wasn't going until the very last minute. Because it took so long. With, it took with so Justin, long. my first, yes. my oldest brother. Yes. It just you were you were in labor forever. So you're yes. like, you know what, we've got time. Uh, that's what I thought. And so I had put him in the car and taken him over to my mother in law's house and we were just talking and I don't know how in the world she knew this, but she said are you having contractions? And I said, well, yes, they're not too bad. She said, you need to get home right now and go to the hospital. And I said, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But uh, I did take her advice and I went on home. And as I was driving home, I thought, I need to take a shower and shave my legs. Is it that? I'm telling you right now, <laughs> I learned it with the first one, but I want everything shaved and like, Ready. I want, yes, and my, my toenails yes. painted because everybody's <laughs> going to be looking at my feet. I just, yes. So we uh, took our little self home and I was in the shower and I thought, this baby is coming. I don't know how I knew that uh, because I pretty much blanked out the, the first delivery. And so I got out of the shower, and um, there was a pretty significant contraction. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to lay on the bed, and I'm just going to breathe. I'm just going to be calm here. And so I go and lay down, and I start breathing. And then the next thing that I remember was I can't not push I have to push had you called anyone yet because this well, was before cell phones yes it was uh right before I laid down uh I called my best friend Lucy and wait you called this is such a move this is what I would do you called your best friend before calling dad yes <laughs> yes actually I was going to call him and before cell phones, there wasn't any way to get in touch with him. And he was working in Farragut that day. And he's like, he was working in construction at this point on yes, site. So on you site. really couldn't mm -mm. just get to him. No way to get to him. And so I thought, okay, this will still be okay because Lucy's uncle lived across the street. And I thought if I really needed somebody, I could go over there and he would help me. And uh, I don't know what I was thinking. Anyway. <laughs> I was say, this is crazy <laughs> logic. A random uncle is going to deliver your baby. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I was laying on the bed and I thought, uh, I've got to push. And so I pushed twice and here comes this little boy. And Twice? I, twice. To push. And here he is. And so... Um, I was laying there and I thought, okay, I'm going to have to go to the hospital. And so I call her and uh, the phone rang and rang <clears throat> and rang and rang. And finally she answered the phone and I said, I need you to come over here. And uh, so 
she said, well, I just got in from the grocery store. Let me put my meat in the freezer and then I will be right over. And I said, okay. And so here I am laying on the bed with this little boy. Okay. I had to make sure that he was breathing, which yeah. he was. So. Did you clean anything out? I mean, like his yeah. mouth and mm-hmm. all that? I did. I did. Did you just know to do that from? I think it was just an instinct. Eight? You know, yes. if you watch enough TV, you learn these I things. I tell people all the time, I've watched so much Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> I can deliver babies. I am confident that if you need me in your delivery room, I can absolutely do it. I'm confident. Yeah. But so like his umbilical cord still connected. Yes. You're just holding him. I'm just holding him. I wrapped him up. Uh, in the comforter. Oh, help me. And How, Was your bed ruined? Uh, no, it wasn't. All the stuff that comes I out? I know. It wasn't. Isn't wow. that crazy? Yes. This is kind of weird that people are going to hear <laughs> this. Know. You know it. <laughs> this might be too much information, folks. And if that's the case, I'm so sorry. <laughs> these are things you need to... No one tells you these things. They really and We're don't. covering these bases. They okay, really so you're don't. holding Casey, I'm wrapped holding in the comforter. Casey. And so I hear her knocking on the door and I thought for crying out loud why is she knocking on the door just get in the door and so she just kept knocking and so I gathered up that comforter and I walked to the door waddled I think is probably the better description and uh I don't know why because it's not something I usually did I had locked the door so she couldn't get in and so I unlocked the door and the minute she saw me she said is that a baby? <laughs> and I said, yes, it is. And she said, oh, my gosh, lay down. And so I go sit on the couch, and uh, she said, where's your doctor's number? And I said, it's on the refrigerator. And she's running around like a crazy woman. And so she jerks it off, and she calls and tells him what has happened, and he's telling her what to do as far as tying off the oh bill. Goodness gracious. The cord. And so she has jerked open every cabinet, every drawer. And you're just sitting on the couch And just watching this. It was pretty entertaining uh, at this point. And so finally she finds pink yarn. And she ties his cord off with a pink yarn. And she said, we got to get in the van. I've got to take you to the hospital. I said, okay, great. So we're driving down Alcoa Highway, and I'm laying in the back of her van, and I start laughing. (laughs) And I said, don't you think this is a little funny? And she said, no, Carol, there's nothing (laughs) funny about this. And so she is just, I'm just looking out and just seeing trees flying by. I don't know how fast she was uh, going, but we got there pretty quick. And so we pull in the emergency at UT and I'm looking out the window and I said oh my gosh something must have happened because there were probably about 10 people out there with a gurney and she said Carol they're waiting on you I said oh no 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 I'm going to walk in she said oh no 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 you're not (laughs) and so we pull up and uh, these doctors and nurses they start uh helping me get on the gurney and you know I still got this little baby wrapped up in the comforter I don't know whatever happened to that comforter come to think of you should have kept it I know for a memory Casey would have loved it I framed it (laughs) and so we get in and uh they take me to delivery to make sure I'm okay did you say we don't have to go deliver I've already I've already done this (laughs) and uh he said my doctor said you are the first person that in all of my years of delivering babies who has delivered at home. And I said, well, I'm glad that uh, I could be. You hold that record. <laughs> that, that record now. And so all night long, every um, 
nurse change, every staff change, I had to tell the whole story. They would come in and they'd say, are you the one? (laughs) (laughs) They would whisper it like it was a bad thing. And so, yes. When did dad show up? um, I was still in the delivery room. They were uh, sewing me up. And so uh, he walked in because we'd had this conversation. He was a wreck uh, with the first with Justin. And uh, as we had talked about this one, I said, I can do this by myself. I said, if you don't want to go in, it'll be okay. And the first thing he said to me when he walked in, he said, you weren't kidding. <laughs> you that is a very, <laughs> a very Walter statement. To say you weren't kidding as soon as he yeah, walks in. And that's the first thing he said. <laughs> and so, What a way uh, to come into the yeah. world, though. Yeah. I wish that, I mean, my story, it was lame. I just yeah. popped out and there I was, 10 because, pounds. Mm, 10 pounds. <laughs> you couldn't have had a 10 pounder on your own, Carol. That wasn't mm, going to happen. May, maybe not. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's It's just one of my it. favorite stories because I think, and I don't know if I get my pain tolerance from you, but you have like the highest pain threshold of anyone. Because I always follow that story with when you were training for a marathon and you went out on an early morning run and oh, you like yeah. broke your ankle. Yep. miles from the house and walked home five miles five miles on a broken ankle mm-hmm. yep I will say it was so great though I loved it because you couldn't go anywhere and you would play Barbies with me Ooh, that's what I remember oh. is because you're very and that's what we're going to get into this whole motherhood thing because you've got quite a few years under your belt and I always say everything I know I've learned from you um but you are one of the type of mother that was just always you had to be because you had three kids and you worked full time. You're always so busy. Like you were trying to stay on top of everything. You right. were trying to, I mean, you were a moving target at all times. I specifically remember you wrapping presents like at midnight, one in the morning, mm. Christmas Eve, because it was the only time you could do it. True. But you were just always a moving target. But I remember when you broke your ankle, you couldn't go anywhere. And so you had to play Barbie. Oh, <laughs> I am not a personality that does that well well and I I mean um everyone I think most no one told me listeners know Brooke who's been on here several times but Mm -hmm. she always says my job is not to entertain like I am going to care for you and I'm going to make sure you have everything you need and I will you know get down on the floor when I can but I like I'm not going to carry the burden of keeping you entertained like being your entertainer and that has always comforted me because I've always felt so bad if I can't drop everything I'm doing and like build Legos, which true. Sometimes yeah. I can. Sometimes I have capacity yeah. to do that, and it's such a balance to not feel bad that you're not always doing everything that they're asking you to do. You know, like I just I that's where that mom guilt starts coming in. I think of am I going to look back and be like, oh, I should have should have done this more or d- done that more. You know, like do you ever get to a point where you don't feel that? where you're not afraid of regret, you know? I think that just comes with age. That, uh, and to uh, Brooke's point, uh, being every mom is a working mom. Mm-hmm. Whether you're working from home, whether you're not working from home, or you're going outside your home. you Every mom is a working mom. And there are only so many hours in a day, and you can't, drop what you're doing and uh and sit down but maybe uh a promise and I and I 
just come to mind recently with Hagen being obsessed with playing baseball mm-hmm. in the front yard. If he knows that uh, you promise oh that gosh. you're going to go out, then he's fine with that. Yeah. And I mean, I have to do it holding a, you know, like a five week old baby yeah. and yeah. running bases, holding a newborn. You're it's, very good at it. It's really fun. <laughs> I've gotten good at being able to toss myself the ball and hit it without having, I can't trust him to pitch it to me while I'm holding a newborn. He's got an arm. So like I've, no got, other. <laughs> I've got to pitch it to myself. But that does lead us up to when we were talking about doing this episode, I just because you are the person I go to for advice most often, like I will you're the first call when we are having trouble. If one of the kids have trouble at school, you know, we have a move coming up and I was struggling. How do I tell the kids that we're having a big change? Mm-hmm. You're always mm-hmm. the first person I call to ask, how would you do this? Like what, what would you say? How would you handle this? And so one of the first things I asked you was what are like the top three things you want moms to know? Like all of us who are still in the throes of it with, you know, young kids trying to shape who they are and not by any means that you're done. You have adult children all in their thirties. One just turned 40. Mm -hmm. True. You've been a mom for 40 years. Can you believe that? Does it, isn't that crazy? It's weird. That is crazy to think about. It really is. You've been a mom for 40 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm still learning to be a mom. And that's what I was going to say. You're still doing it, but you look back and those of us who are with the little ones or the, you know, the middle schoolers or the high schoolers and, I think we said before we hit record, every season carries its own difficulty. It does. Every season gets better, I think. Mm-hmm. Like it I've does. learned that with Henley. Every mm-hmm. single season has gotten better and better, but it also comes with its own difficulties. So when you look back, what are some, like maybe the top three things that you want moms to know in hindsight? Well, this has come about um, just recently, and I probably have learned this from Henley more than I did you all because this wasn't a thing uh, back in the day. We didn't have cell phones. Uh, there was a phone in the kitchen, as you'll remember, mm-hmm. on the wall. Or uh, when we did get a cell phone, it looked like it was a piece of luggage that you carried around. You left it in the car. I still think it's insane that you would go to work. You and Dad would go to work and leave all three of us at home by ourselves in the summer because there was and no choice. There like was it no was, choice. There yeah. was, there. what else are you going to do? Yeah. And so we would say, I remember if one of them ticked me off, I would call you and the receptionist would answer. And I would try to sound like such an adult because I wanted to get through. Because if they knew it was a kid, they weren't going to put me through. And I'd say, may I please speak to Carol Dunlap? And oh my goodness. She would always say, may I ask who's calling? I'd be like, dang it. I was like, it's Callie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she would come and it would always be something about like, yeah, he won't let me have a popsicle. They told me I couldn't have one or they won't let me go play with it. It was always something so dumb, but I was calling you at work (laughs) to to tell you to do it. I don't know how you handled it. Uh, About the first or second week of that, uh, I just told her to ask not who it is because she knew who it was. I really Uh, thought I was fooling her. is, Is anybody bleeding? And if nobody's bleeding, then she Gosh, doesn't that need to talk me to off me right you now. Come back and say that it was. <laughs> it felt so important. Also, how were you not a nervous wreck leaving us at home? Uh, I guess this was just a different time. It like, was a different time. You know, it was such because we played outside time. all day, every day, anyway. Yeah. But that's just crazy to me that you and that's a lot of kids my age, a lot of people my age. That's how they grew up. Was just yeah, you just stay at home. Yeah, and you figure it out. <laughs> 
boy, did we ever. It's like when I broke my arm. Kind of as told, we went. You weren't home. I think you were coming home from work, and I broke my arm. And I went and told Dad, and he told me to take a bath. The bone was sticking out of my arm. And he was like, just go take a bath. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, the cell phone. The cell phone. Um, I would say uh, to have a rule uh, that uh, you put your phone down. Uh, if your children are uh, talking to you, uh, they want you to pay attention to what they're saying. It, this has been fairly recent, maybe a year ago or maybe uh, less than that, but Henley was here. And uh, I was uh, texting uh, about work, and she had been talking to me, and I wasn't paying attention to her. And uh, she said, Gigi, I'm talking. Will you please put your phone down? Mm. And Talk about guilt. Yes. Yes. And she just wanted me to look at her while she was talking. I don't recall what she was telling me. Mm -hmm. I just recall what she asked me. And, you know, I just think even as adults, we want to know that we're being heard. Uh, that uh, you're engaged. That you see me. Uh, that you see me. And I, I love, love, love the quote, wherever you are, be present. Mm -hmm. And I think that is true of so many uh, of our relationships. Uh, the phone can be a curse. It can also be a blessing. But mm -hmm. uh, in our relationships, I think it tends to um, be more hurtful sometimes because Whatever kids are saying, it's important. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, when we were coming back from vacation <laughs> and Hagen threw up. Hagen, we've learned, gets a little car sick on long trips. And I've never seen a kid that bounce back, bounces back from throwing up faster than Hagen. But he was in the back. He would just eaten a donut. Um, a donut. On our way back. Mm -hmm. It was just my mom and me and the kids coming back from a fall break beach trip yes and all of a sudden Hagen just lets it fly I mean he has puked all over the back and I am a I like to make good time like I don't don't make it take longer and so I told my mom just to go back there I said just crawl back there and see if you can clean it up and so she's back there trying to clean it up and first I hear him say oh look some of my donut <laughs> and then <laughs> she's like in it and it smells awful and it's just like the car's moving back and forth and she's all of a sudden Hagen says can we can we just take a minute to talk about Batman? Like just <laughs> as he's covered in puke and my mom is trying to wipe him down. Can we just talk about Batman for a second? Just... And so we talk about Batman. <laughs> but it does make me think, um, I, I've felt this. I've thought this. I don't think I've said it out loud. I just don't want a, like my kids' memories to be of me holding the phone in front of me. True. You know, I don't want a lot of their memories to be marked by that. Like when they look back in therapy that I'm sure they're going to have to have because of my parenting. <laughs> And they just think, like, they just, in their mind's eye, see me holding my phone. And that is terrible, a terrible habit that I'm not great at being aware of and being mindful of. Because it's almost like, um, uh, it is habit at this point, where it's reflex. You just reach for it. True. Um, and so trying to be more mindful of not reaching for it and leaving it there. But working from home has been tough, too, over the past year with the kids. Because... It was such a shift. I used to work out of the home, outside of the house. And so when I could be home, I didn't really have to do anything. I would have to take phone calls and answer texts every now and again, but I wasn't sitting at my computer all the time. And now I'm at the computer quite a bit, um, just trying to hit deadlines or whatever else. And 
I remember Henley kept talking to me and talking to me and I wasn't responding to her. And she said, you're always on your computer. Well, that like sparked a little bit of rage in me because I was like, I am work. And I stopped her and I said, I am working and I'm working to provide for you. All those things you like to do, all the things you like to have are because I'm working right now. Um, and then I felt deep conviction because I did not handle it well. Sure. I was prideful and defensive. Mm-hmm. So I brought her back in there and I just said, you know what, Hen, you're right. Um, when you come and talk to me or say something to me, I need to look you in the eye and yes. I need to hear what you're saying. And I'm sorry, I will do better to stop what I'm doing and look at you when you need to tell me something. We'll but then have, they take advantage of it. We'll have to teach her to say what you say. Look me in the eyeballs. Oh, that's what I'm disciplining. Look me right here yes. in my eyeballs. Don't yep. you look anywhere else but right here because <laughs> I want you to hear this. I need you to hear this. So it is. It's one of those mindfulness things. Yes. It doesn't happen without thinking about making it happen. It right. doesn't happen naturally. So the mindfulness with the phone, that's that's a good number one. What about number two? Uh, let's see. Uh, model the behavior that you want to see in your children. Mm. Uh, if you want to see kindness, you're going to have to model that. You can't just expect them to wake up one day and be kind. They've mm-hmm. got to see what that looks like and what that means. If you want them uh, to be generous, you've got to show them what that looks like with their time, with their possessions, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like. And, you know, to be patient what does that look like? Mm. And there's so many qualities that we want our children to have, but they're not going to, especially young children. And that's when you want to start having those conversations and start modeling those behaviors so that uh, it becomes more of a norm rather than just waking up uh, in middle school one day and say, I want you to be patient. I want you to be kind. Whatever it is, uh, whatever behavior you want to see in your children, they have to see it in you first. But that means that you walk your talk. Mm -hmm. You can't just talk to them about it. You have to really walk and model uh, those behaviors. It's so much easier to do with the first kid. Like I think about Henley. We talked about patience all the time because she's like me and she lacks patience. And I would always say, we've got to be patient. What is patience? And she would always say, waiting with a good attitude. We learned that definition early on. Patience is waiting with a good attitude. And she would say it back to me. But now I'll say it to Hagen, and he's like, what are you talking about? What, is, what do you mean, what is patience? I don't know what patience is. It's just, you like, the more kids you have, the harder it is to it teach is. them this stuff. Because mm. you just don't have, I think I'm losing brain cells. Because I don't remember to do these things with them. But then, it's really, it's really bad when you see yourself in, like, the bad parts of yourself. That's them. true. Like, the temper. That's true. And like, the frustration when things, like, Kenny will... You know, she has the, that part of me, like the frustration when like things aren't working out, like she's planned it and she's been prepared for it and, yes. she's, and she's watching it play out and it's not what she planned it to be or what she thought it was going to be. I mean, we had a moment with a mermaid tail today and the mermaid tail was ripped and I mean it, but that's what I'm like, okay, I've got to do better about me not reacting yeah. when things aren't going the for way sure. they're supposed to go because yeah. it's clearly how she's starting to react. Yes. When things don't go the way they're supposed to go. It's bad when it's a mirror. Like I want to take all the credit when they are doing the great things and say it's me. And then when they're not doing great things, say it's Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) But the problem is, is if you know Ryan, he's just so kind and nice. and like Even kill. He's like all the good stuff that I can't. When the kids have bad stuff, it's obvious it's for me. (laughs) 
I don't know that I'd agree with that. It's obvious. So <laughs> model the behavior that you want to see. Yes. So that means watching your words, watching your reactions, even yes. when it's just maybe you and your significant other or you and your friends talking they're always listening and they're always watching yes and so if you the number of times I've been called out on things because I've told them not to do something and then they see me do it yes oh, that'll take you off I don't remember if it was Henley I think she's I mean very early on maybe in kindergarten she suddenly learned how to roll her eyes mm-hmm. do you remember I think that's innate. I don't think you teach that. <laughs> I think they come out doing that. Well, you were uh, convicted that uh, she had seen you do it. Enough. I'm an eye roller. Yes. I am an eye. I remember uh, dad used to say, those are going to get stuck in the back of your head. And keep doing that. <laughs> because they, you, would, you all would always say, don't talk back. But you wouldn't say anything about my facial expressions. Yeah, well, that's and true. so I would convey what I was feeling via. That's why now I can't like sit in meetings. Or Ryan always says my face needs to use its inside voice. Because I just, (laughs) you can always see on my face what I'm thinking or what, (laughs) like how I feel about what's happening. It's very difficult. I don't know how to do that. But yes, Henny does get that from me. Okay. Third one, which I think is huge for every season of life that your kids are going through. So whether it's, and I think all of these are for sure, but I think this one is the hardest for moms. It, It really is. Um. This, I came to uh, have a very wise person speak this into my life. Um, Justin was in seventh grade. That's and, my oldest brother. Yes. And uh, every uh, child that went into seventh grade after him, I, I know I'm not supposed to say hate uh, Henley and Hagen, call me out on that. But I really dreaded seventh grade. Middle school's just Hard. It was hard. I've and had so many. I have friends now whose kids are going into middle school. Like we're at that age now. And it is hard. It's a whole new, it's a whole new culture. It's a whole new concept of being in seventh grade. They're standing on the edge of trying to be, not be a, a little kid anymore. Hormones are raging. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, seventh grade. And this was my first experience with it. And it, it was a struggle. Justin acted out in school. Uh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that I was on speed dial uh, to come in and have conversations uh, with him, uh, about him. And um, uh, uh couple that I love dearly and that I have known for over 30 years I would you always think that other families had the perfect kids the perfect uh parenting skills and I'm pretty sure that this couple was at least close to it I agree their kids they still did crazy things but it was uh their parenting uh skills that I admired so much about them that's also why it's so valuable to find a couple who is ahead of you who you do admire their kids like you see their kids and you're like how did you do how did you get so great such great kids can we go to dinner like just once a month can we do something to where we can glean some expertise from you yeah it's it's worth uh, spending the time finding that that couple, that person who um, they just have a different take on parenting. I was lost. I, 
you know, it was the first time being in seventh grade, uh, first kid in seventh grade. Uh, we'd gone from this perfect little uh, primary school to uh, a whole new world. And I was just sharing with them just the struggles uh, that I was ha having with him and how angry I was becoming in him just acting out the way that he did. And if I'm truthful, uh, a little embarrassed. Some of it is pride. Like yeah, I've, you very know, much I've been, so. I've been called, and I'm just thinking, oh my gosh. And and my initial reaction is embarrassment. Of, yes. Oh no, not my kid. Not my no, kid. What are you thinking of me because of what my kid exactly. did? Exactly. And because his seventh grade teacher was someone that we went to church with, mm. you know, it's and even so worse. that made it so hard. Yeah, very much so. But. The advice that he gave me was um, that love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And uh, he pulled that exactly from 1 Corinthians 13. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, when God's children uh, act out, he doesn't keep a, a record of that. And he said, Carol, neither should you. Mm. He said, every day you need to give him a clean slate. He said, a whiteboard with nothing on it. And he said, that's how you start every day mm -hmm. because you can't keep going back, going back, going back. You just have to see that um, he needs to know that uh, that you love him, mm -hmm. and, but there's behaviors that aren't okay. And I think that having that mindset of just giving him a clean slate not hanging day. on to what happened yesterday or last week but just having a whiteboard and I would just say put a whiteboard where you can see it mm -hmm. you know where you pray for that kid mm -hmm. uh, I told his that teacher that uh, he had uh, I said he's gonna keep me on my knees mm -hmm. and uh wherever you're on your knees for your children interceding for them put that whiteboard there mm -hmm. just as a reminder mm -hmm. and that's you know you think about what we value so much and what I have had to say to myself is that that concept of uh, new morning new mercies yes like every every morning is new and yes. so that means it's fresh that means there's nothing and there's someone um our friend Ann Voskamp she has said this to me because I was talking to her and I just said because she has lots of kids and so she has done this mothering thing several times over and I just said I don't I can't figure out how to do this and she said something that I wish she actually wrote a whole blog post um, that I'll share about it but she said no shock no shame and she said when they talk mm -hmm. to you when you hear something when you are called in on something no shock and no shame like that is because that's the only way to build the trust with them to where they they know that they're going to get a fresh slate with you. That's they, so good. They know that you're going to have grace for them. They know they can tell you when they've made a mistake, when they have failed. They can come and tell you because you never show any shock and you never show any shame. Um, now, you discipline, you know, godly discipline. and Yes. And righteous anger is for sure a thing, but no shock and no shame. Um, because that's the quickest way for them to flip that switch off and to walk it. away from you. That's so true. Um and another thing, I, I I read this, I think it was Beth Moore, but she talked about generous parenting. Um, and she said, you just pour out more. And so when they come, 
and something has gone wrong or something's not the way you want it to generous parenting shows generous grace. And so it's, I'm going to give you more grace or, um, you know, the, the kindness part or the patience part, like it's generous in all aspects. Um, and being a generous parent with how you approach each child differently because it's one of my biggest lessons in hindsight right now, especially with Henley and Hagen and who knows what Holton's going to need but they each need something different from me. I have to parent them yes. completely differently. I yes. cannot parent Hagen the same way I parent Henley. They need different things from me. And so understanding them and getting to know them and know like Henley can't, does not respond well to stern words. Like she, she will shut down and you will get nowhere. But if you tell her you understand her and hear her out, then she's in your boat. Hagen, on the other hand, I have to have a firm hand. He has yes. to have stern words. Otherwise he's not going to change his behavior. Um, and so it's learning what they need and, and giving that kind of parenting to them and not just assuming one thing across the board is going to work. And I think part of that is just boys mm. too, Duh. because boys. Mm. all moms are boys or don't worry. Yours is not the only hard one. <laughs> they're all hard. <laughs> they're, they're hard. They're just different. You know, you parent them different. You, your expectations of them are different mm-hmm. uh, on some levels, but you know, like with you, uh, I could just look at you and, uh, you would, that would all, and I would cry. Yeah. And that would be all that it took. You know, I didn't even have to say, I'm so disappointed. I I, don't even know when the people pleasing started in me, but it started early. early. If I knew you were not happy with me, I could not, I was devastated by it. I was even afraid that you would find out things that I did. Like, retroactively you know what I'm saying like you would come back to me way later and be like why, how did you why did you do this like the disappointment would be delayed and it would still kill me you'd be surprised what I found out I didn't do anything I was such post, a good kid post child <laughs> um, you know and I, I do and I just thought about this Callie when you were talking about uh, uh, no shock no shame for um parents of older children that's going to be true Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. because you you never get to not parent you're going to always be a parent but I think it's how you approach those adult children Mm -hmm. uh, whether they uh, switch uh, to inviting you in or to shut you out Mm -hmm. and so I think that's huge Mm -hmm. that's uh, such a powerful statement did you struggle at all I think about as our kids fall into friend groups right and I mean middle school is one of those big moments where they everyone has said what your middle school experience is like for your child is all dependent on who their friends are like who they have surrounded mm-hmm. themselves with. Mm-hmm. How do you not control it, but how do you speak into it in such a way? Because you're desperate for friends at that age. And yes. so you're almost like, I'll take whatever I can get. Right. And sometimes it's not the greatest person that you want your child to be friends with. And then you can look at it from the, the, the perspective of, well, maybe they'll rub off on them in a good way. Like my child on the other person. And a lot of times it goes the other way. If they're not like the ideal friend how do you how do you help your kids figure out who their friends should be that's a hard question because um, you can't be with them all day every day no. and be like not a great friend yeah <laughs> and I think for seventh grade that year Justin already had a good friend group mm-hmm. you know but just 
within his own little mind in his heart uh he wanted to be the one that uh crossed the line he i i hate to say this but it was almost like he was born to be a rebel uh in kindergarten uh oh my gosh he uh, do you remember the this story no he um in kindergarten he took his teacher's bell she rang the bell when it was time to move to the next activity or whatever the next thing was that she wanted their attention and he took it and he hit it and so when she found out who took it she called me in he didn't like her having that kind of control over his that time. was exactly right he did not like people telling him what to do so I think he was born to be a rebel because he had some really, really great friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he was just determined to live life on his terms, even though the consequences were well, pretty tough. Do you know what I did in kindergarten? Tell me. During nap time, I didn't want to take a nap. But I was laying on my mat looking around, and I found a black jelly bean under the bookshelf. And I ate it, Carol. Oh, I wish I didn't know so, that. Talk about a rebel. Okay. <laughs> I would not be stopped. I found a jelly bean and I ate it knowing I shouldn't eat it. Oh, so I wish I didn't know stick that. Stick that in your pipe and smoke uh, it. For I wish rebels. I didn't know that. Um, you know, you, we grew up, you worked full time. So yes. did dad, mm-hmm. you know, and we all had activities going yes. on. I specifically remember the boys had baseball games constantly that we had to go to. I was the third kid, so I didn't get to have activities because the boys got <laughs> to have some. Wait. <laughs> Are you a truth teller? <laughs> <laughs> I wore him down. Finally got to take piano once a week. But other than that, no, I got to play soccer. But that was rough because I was a large child. And soccer is a lot of running. And so I always say they just put me in the goal because I took up about half that space anyway. Oh, um, but we had a lot going on. So how mm-hmm. did you keep all those balls in the air? How did you keep juggling them and getting everybody where they needed to be, doing everything you needed to get done, showing up for people that needed you to show up for them? How'd you keep it all going? Well, uh, I'm going to let you have a peek behind the curtain. And that uh, peek is going to be that uh, more often than not, I didn't have it all going. It looked good, though. uh, It may have looked good, but but I think that that's a um, fallacy that we... uh, want to live up to Mm -hmm. that you have it all going uh and everything's perfect and the truth of the the whole uh facade is that it's just that a facade you don't you're not going to always have it going but uh you know it's okay Mm -hmm. it's really okay uh i've told this story before and uh, i remember you saying i didn't know you did that but um, it was when um, you all uh, were in elementary school, and uh, I think it was Casey that, uh, and it's one of those times when, uh, and you will relate to this, just thinking that you can't keep up mm-hmm. with uh, everything that needed to be done, and there's clothes in the dryer, and Um, Clothes in the washer for multiple days. Yes. (laughs) Have to go back and do them again. Yes. Uh, But there was a a stretch of time that I would just uh, pull out whatever uh, you all needed and uh, either throw it in the dryer or iron it right quick. And then 
when you put it on, it was warm and all. And in my mind, I was thinking if I were a better mother, I would have had this done last night, laid out on their bed where they could just get dressed instead of running around like crazy people in the morning mm-hmm. to get ready. And um, went to school, and uh, it was Casey. He had to write uh, what was one of the favorite things that his mom did, and that was it, that uh, I would iron clothes and put on him warm and mm-hmm. how it made him feel. Mm-hmm. And never in a million years would I have seen that as a positive. Yeah. Because in my own mind, it was a negative. Yeah. Of not, not being better prepared. Yeah. Uh, in uh, the mornings. Well, you know, a couple of years ago, Henley got an iron for Christmas and she didn't know what it was because she'd never seen it. <laughs> I've never used it. I don't, I don't have time for that. I don't iron anything. Uh, I just shake it out real good or I put it in the dryer with some ice cubes. We don't. Come to think of it, I don't think I've ever seen an iron at your house. Yes, you have not. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I don't have time. But that is true that I'll even, people ask me, like, how do you do, not in a, I don't mean this in a private way at all. It's to show how wrong, it, it might look great from the outside, but how wrong it is to yeah. believe it. But I was like, how do you, how do you do it all? And I'm just, I don't. I mean, I feel like a failure most days. Yeah. Like, dang, I could have had that done. I could have, you know, I could have had that prepared. I could have had this ready so no one feels rushed. It's one thing I've had to do better in the mornings because I don't want my kids leaving my house feeling flustered and rushed Yes, because I'm usually flustered and rushed in the mornings and I just don't want them to start their days like that. And so I've had to back up our morning routine, me personally, and get up earlier to get them ready in a timely fashion to where we're not just sprinting out the door and I'm not yelling at them to get in the car. Right. Um, because I don't want to start, I don't want them to start their days like that, right. but it is, it is a normal thing. I think for most moms to feel like, man, I feel like I'm getting this wrong. I feel yeah. like I'm not, I'm not hitting all the high points here because you look around and think everybody else is. And the truth of it is most of us are not, not, I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm three kids into this and I don't know what I'm doing. You know? Well, there's just a lot. It's even in the short, in the grand scheme of things, the short period of time from where you all were little to now, uh, Hagen and Henley and Holton, uh, it's a short period of time, but there's been so much change, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it's not quite as easy as it used to be. And, um, you know, you're going to sign up to do things and forget to do things and you're going to forget to order things Mm -hmm. for class parties and, uh, you know, you're just going to have to, Mm -hmm. and you got to give yourself grace. Number one. Number two, you're just going to have to learn to laugh at yourself. Yes. I think I got creative one time from a phone call that you made to me to go to Dollar General. And that was very creative because they didn't have quite the selection. There was this potato that got sent home and we had to make it into a book character. And Ryan had this big plan for this potato. But then Ryan had to go out of town all of a sudden. And I thought, I don't know what to do with this dadgum potato. And so I had to call Carol. And I just said, I'm going to need you to figure out how to make this potato look like it's sitting on a couch. And, and just for the record, 
everybody left me at your house with the potato. <laughs> what we have? we had an activity that night. I can't remember what it was. It was some kind of swim party. I yeah, think. they had to go and be at something. And I was like, "You good, Carol? You got this covered? Because I gotta go." And listen, it was great. You did amazing. Uh, it was fun. Kids still mm-hmm. had dinner. It, we covered all I of our love bases. Those crafts. Um, speaking of dinner. You, I asked you for some mom hacks, like some things that you figured out over time. And I don't really love this first one because I never do it. And it, again, makes me feel like a failure. Just for the record, number two, she did roll her eyes when I told her I wanted to talk about this. <laughs> I did. Because I, who, who can do this? I know a lot of you are going to be like, I do it. That's I, great. Yeah. Good for you. I, I don't. Um, I think one of, uh, I've got two. And I think both of them are really good because it's, something that everybody has to do uh is to do meal planning uh you did that for a little bit i know i don't have brain capacity i just to sit down and think through the week and we are gone so much right now we have events or not events we have activities monday wednesday thursday friday and saturday we have something going on every single day and so I just, and then when do you get dinner made? That's, I haven't figured out that rhythm because we're leaving the house by like 520. So are we eating dinner at four? Well, Carol, you could do crock pot meals. Don't come at me. <laughs> I'm giving you some options. Oh, options. Why don't you just make us dinner and bring it over? Do you want to know? Let me tell you something. Here's what I figured out. Tell me. This is my, um, and this is my like, I need to, I need you all to know this thing and do this thing. They are factor meals. Oh, yes. And what always happens is Ryan and I almost always end up eating something different than the kids. Because I know a lot of you are like, my kids eat whatever I eat. And mine just don't. And that's just not about, that's not a hill I want to die on. It's just not. If I need to make you some chicken nuggets. My thing is they're not going to go to college only eating turkey dogs, you know, like it's going to be fine. We hope. That's what I tell myself. Anytime I feel bad about a stage of life that they're in, that we're not quite getting right. I'll be like, they're not going to go to college peeing in their bed. They're not going to go to college sleeping in my bed. They're not going to go, you know, like I just have to tell myself these things. Um, but these factor meals, they come to your door and they're delivered and they're, you can get, you know, like I think five, eight or 10. They are delicious. They don't taste frozen. They are healthy, great meals. Ryan will take them to work, and occasionally he'll eat them on a weeknight when we're just really busy. Um, But they have saved my tail during this newborn stage. Um, Mm, Just not having the capacity to even think about a meal or, like, cook holding a baby or whatever. Um, They're amazing. Factor meals. Look them up. They are so good. You've had them. I I send you home with them sometimes. Yes. They're so good. So how's that for meal planning? Stick Uh, that. That's pretty good meal planning. You're welcome. Mm. Uh, well, you shot that full of holes, so we're going to move on. <laughs> Aren't you glad you're here today, Carol? <laughs> uh, I am privileged to be here. Yes. Um, the other is, uh, a cleaning schedule. This one I can get behind. Also setting a timer to clean something. I have gotten yes. so much done by doing that. Yeah. Um, if who wants to spend all day on Saturday cleaning? I know. But if you set up a schedule, and I would start with the thing that you hate doing. Bathrooms. Bathrooms. Ugh. I agree 100%. They are the worst, especially when you have a boy who just can't quite aim. <laughs> I'm telling you what. It drives me bananas. 
Boy, mom. Mm. But uh, just, and it doesn't have to be a half a day. It doesn't have to be. It can be like 15 minutes. It can. And get so much done. Yes. And do something every day, starting with the least liked chore. And I would also add to that, uh, those littles uh, that are living at your house uh, need to help. They can. I have such a hard time making them do it. I know I need to, but I Why? have a hard time. They're just not going to do it good. Oh, yeah. And I would rather just do it myself than have to go behind them and clean up double the mess. Uh, you know what you were talking about earlier about seeing behaviors uh, that. So you're <laughs> saying I don't clean good, so they no. clean the way they see. No. Carol, this is offensive. <laughs> no. I I am seeing the way that oh. I parent you all. You don't have to do it. I'll do it. And it was because. It just doubles my work. <laughs> Having you do it literally doubles my amount of effort that I have to put into this. Mm-hmm. But I get, they need to learn responsibility. I yeah. am making them make their beds and put their clothes away. I like that. You know, like this yeah. is, we're doing, we're doing tiny steps. But yeah. it also in my head, they get stuck at certain ages and I don't think they're old enough to do things. Yeah. And the truth is they are like mm-hmm. Henley made dinner. I was gone. I had to be somewhere the other night and hate and Ryan had the baby. Um, and you know, sweet, our sweet, sweet men with these newborn babies, they just like, they don't have capacity. They, they don't know. They, they don't just know. don't know. But, so Ryan was uh, working or uh, with the baby and Henley made dinner for her and Hagen. Just, just went and did it herself and made dinner. She's That's amazing. That's awesome. But I'm like, I have to remember they are capable. And, yeah. And every season may get, we talked about this, but every season is hard in new ways, in different ways. But I have yet to meet a season that's not better than the season before it with Henley so far. Always. It just gets mm-hmm. better and better. It every, does. Like every new season is better than the last. And I think I said to this, this to you one night, it was late and uh, Holton was up and uh, you looked like you hadn't slept and about two weeks guys it's the hardest baby i've ever had (laughs) with these third ones yeah they come for you you know just and to you and to other moms that are in the thick of that each one of these seasons they don't last forever Mm -hmm. they go by so quickly Mm -hmm. uh i know that that sounds like a uh geeky thing but well truthfully this newborn i have this is my mantra right now this season is so short it this is newborns it mm-hmm. really is it yes. is so short and so I'm trying to lean into like we talked about last week that gratitude side of this this can be sweet if I see the sweetness in it yes it's it's going to be whatever I see and so if I'm only seeing the hard then all I'm going to think about is how hard it is but if I can just see these sweet moments then the season's going to feel sweeter than it does well, and that was one of the things that uh, I thought about when we were talking about uh, how do you juggle. And uh, part of juggling, I think, is um, being grateful. Mm-hmm. And does that mean having a, a journal that you just write it down or you just say it out loud, but just naming of what those blessings are mm-hmm. and what you're grateful for because uh, not only is um, this season with Holton uh, short, every season is short. Is. Uh, you know, we're already looking at Henley starting third grade and it seems like she should still be mm-hmm. in kindergarten, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. when uh, I look at you, a mom of three, it's still that that little girl in second grade that uh, 
Couldn't say her R's. Yeah. Had to wear a retainer. Also had an eye patch. Let's not get into this. Let's not go this there. This was a hard, <laughs> talk about a hard season. I did not have a lot going for me. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> oh, okay. Speaking of moms and how great they are, you are the very best. And I am the mom that I am because of the mom you were. So, and are still. So we're going to go eat hamburgers to celebrate that. Let's do it. Don't you think? And we're even going to have french fries, I think. We might have to have dessert. Oh, we do not. I know. Carol, I, if there's one thing you've taught me. I, and I'm teaching my granddaughter the same thing. Well, that's a little too much. <laughs> I need you to back off that. I need you to back off that. You're the very best character. We love you so much. I love you.